This is the Livestream Final Fantasy Podcasts, episode 26, recorded on Sunday the 15th of October 2017. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 26 of the Livestream Final Fantasy Podcast. My name is Flintlock, I'm the technical editor on the Livestream. Joining me today are Lex. Hello. Tenny. Hello. And Lith. Hey. As you may have noticed, it's been a little while since we got the last podcast up. Uh, our apologies for that. But the good news is that we do have a lot to talk about on this episode. So let's dive straight into the news from the last month and a half or so. Uh, and the top story here is that Final Fantasy XV is now going to be coming to the PC in late 2018. I think I'm the only person here who hasn't played Final Fantasy XV. I definitely will when it comes out on PC. Is it late 2018? You still PC gamers. Uh, early 2018 is what early this article is says. Yeah. Okay, I could have sworn you said late 2018. I, I did. I did. I, I, I wrote it, it down wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're correct. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the biggest things with this uh, port to PC is that it will have mod support. So uh, be prepared for <laughs> the nude mods. <laughs> <laughs> did they not say something about nude mods? Did they not say something like... <laughs> they did. Um, they said that, you know, you'll be able to create nude mods, but they'll leave it up to the morality of the player of whether or not they're going to do that. Like, bad idea. <laughs> they can't exactly ban mods from a single player game. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I won't be getting it, I don't think. It depends on, like, why would I get it? If I've already got it on, what what would attract me to it, personally? Probably nothing. Uh, there'll probably be improved graphics and frame rate and stuff like that. It's going to support 8K resolution, which... It's crazy to me. I don't even have a 4K set up yet. Yeah. I don't know if it's like, will it'll it? Run in, it'll run in both 4K and 8K. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> I think it's going to, to be honest, with the way the game is built, I think it's going to struggle to run on most modern PCs at 1080. The minimum specs on Steam are pretty high. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but higher than I've got on my PC, I think. And I have a decent gaming PC, not exactly top of the range. But I've got the Pro, and it, I don't run it on a 4K screen. I run it in 1080, and the game has a mode for that, and it's basically like stable frame rate mode. And it's still not all that stable mm. on the PS4 Pro. So I don't think it's going to be... I really don't think it's going to be this amazing... Like You might be able to run it in 8K, but it'll be like fucking five frames, 5 frames per second or something. <laughs> Another thing is that um, the PC version is also going to have a first-person mode, which uh, not quite sure how but that's going to work out with the combat. Because I mean, when it got pretty late in the game for me, I was literally just warp striking to kill everything, and it makes for like a pretty chaotic battle scene. So warping in first person would probably make me a little bit sick. Hmm. staring at the tv screen i will say i'm glad for the i'm glad for the pc gamers because there's a lot there are a lot of people on pc who have been waiting for this so 
it'd be good for those players to play it on PC. So that's it's a positive at least that it is coming out. I just think it's going to be a bit of a clusterfuck. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the PC version will also include all of the three uh, character DLCs. Isn't the PC also going to get the pocket version too? <laughs> uh, no, the pocket version's for mobile. Oh, I thought that was like uh, for the Switch and stuff. I haven't heard any news about the pocket edition coming to the PC. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later. Now, um, now this is going to be a little bit later in the pod, but as of right now, there's no plans to port 15 to the Switch, but I know it's something that they're looking at doing. Mm. They're, they're looking to see if it's feasible. But the, the Switch doesn't even have the power of the base PS4. So I think it would struggle on that. I believe it. But the, yeah, as you say, the Pocket Edition might actually be a, a good fit for the Switch. Let's talk yeah. about the Pocket Edition now. We'll, we'll, let's jump around our planned order a little bit here. Um, All right. This Pocket Edition, I don't know if you, you guys have seen this, it's kind of a chibified version of Final Fantasy XV. I, I think we talked about it a little bit last time, but I think it's kind of hilarious. Yeah, it's, um, well, to my surprise, it was uh, something that they had started working on after the Disguise demo was released. Really? Um, but yeah, it's going to be released, uh, it's going to be released in episodes. Um, the first episode is free. I believe there's 10 episodes to the podcast. That's right, yeah. Um, but yeah, first one is free. I'm sure you have to buy the rest. I mean, it looks cute. It's a cute idea. I mean, if they managed to port something like that to the Switch, I mean, that would be cool, but it's probably not something I'll be investing in. And this isn't really going to be a spin-off game because it's actually trying to just retell the same story of Final Fantasy XV, except in a different format. Retelling the story for people who don't have those consoles. That could be a huge positive. I can't even imagine how some moments in the game are going to look all chitty Like, I won't be able to take some moments seriously because it's just, you know, these deformed little jimmies running around taking away from the emotion of the scene, so I'm going to be too busy laughing. I think it's going to be cute. Well, I mean, it does look cute. I don't deny that. I just... <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just think, like, Gladio's little chibi, for instance, is, like, so... Deformed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like wow. <laughs> it's cute. I'm assuming they'll have had to like rewrite certain dialogue and stuff. And if that's the case, then it could be a huge positive for the overall story because the story as it exists in the base game is kind of a chopped up mess. Uh, so it could be a really good thing. For people, if that's the way people, you know, are experiencing that story for the first time. Sure. There's definitely an argument to be made that uh, stripping these big modern Final Fantasy games back down to just their kind of core elements might actually make them a better game. I'm quite excited to try this, i got to say. First episode's free, so why not? Yeah, might actually end up playing this before the, the actual <laughs> Final Fantasy 15. Uh, you'll have to come back on the podcast and let us know what you think of it. Well, I'm here every week. <laughs> every month-ish. Yeah. I'll be here all week. So we have a little bit more Final Fantasy 15 years before we move on. Uh, there's this 
multiplayer DLC called Comrades, which we have talked about a little bit on previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and the release date has now been set for Halloween, October the 31st. Yes. You guys going to get this? Play it. Um, yes, okay. it's, it's available with the season pass, but you need PlayStation Plus to play it. So I might, um, I mean, I'll probably go and just buy maybe three months of PlayStation Plus just to you know, play it with some folks on TLS and see how it is. I mean, because I played the beta, and I remember we talked about it on one of the podcasts, you know, a while back, but the beta didn't really impress me. But, Mm. you know, in some of the, like, one of the trailers that's been released since then, I'm like, okay, so there is going to be more to this game, or more to this expansion than just, you know, go to a base, accept a mission, go to another base, get ready, go fight some monsters, come back to base, then go back to your original base. And it's going to be added is... a bit more to the story. So. Yes, that's that's what they say. It's going to explore a gap in the story. Yeah. Well, I haven't, I haven't even had a chance to um, finish episode Gladio or play episode Prompto, so I don't know <laughs> when I'm going to get around to this. Well, you need to do it before the end of the month. Yeah, I do need to do it before. one thing i want to mention that's not on the agenda but has been released since then is we have uh seen a new story patch in 15 in chapter 12 i believe that details uh more events in the war of the astrals and you have some scenes with luna and gentiana and just more scenes that kind of expand on Luna and Noctis's feelings for each other that really should have been in the original game, but I guess uh, better late than never. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean it was it was a nice addition. Although I wish the uh, the scenes detailing the War of the Astrals were more than just you know were more than just you know the screen you know floating over some paintings and images and stuff like that. I wish it would have been. There is good news for people who want more Final Fantasy XV story, and that is that uh, the game is scheduled to receive updates uh, well into 2018, beyond the uh. PC release. <laughs> yeah, oh, a lot of people have mixed feelings about it. Uh. <laughs> Why the boo? Why the boo? Because... Um, no, it's because I want them to move on. I want them to finish with their DLC, I don't see why they're doing this multiplayer thing, but okay, that's fine. Uh, I want them to, I just want them to, like, finish it this year, release it on PC next year with all the shit on it, and then call it a day with 15. I'm really tired of hearing about it at every single gaming conference there is. I'm really tired of them announcing, like, a new fucking thing you can download or like I mean props to them for including new scenes and updating the story and stuff through patches uh, it's a requirement rather than a boon do you know what I mean it's not like oh yeah, we're getting more story it's literally like they have to do that because it's so disjointed in the late game it's not even funny so I'm really glad that I haven't seen the new scenes yet but I know that it's, they've had like very very positive reactions and that's a great thing but um, at, this, at this stage I'm already tired of hearing about new 15 stuff when the game came out at the end of last year uh, and, and now they're saying it's going to continue and uh, 
like all of 2018 it's a bit like okay so there's another year of this and you know I just want them to be finished with it at a certain point because I mean they've already said that there's there aren't going to be sequels to this game um and I really hope that that is the case but given that they're doing all this rubbish we'll see uh I just want you know the focus to shift to other stuff at this point I agree with that. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, personally, I'm excited for more content as long as it's content sure. that's actually, you know, worth a damn, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I get that. And I'm like, I'm really happy for people who are massive fans of the game. Uh, I'm not yet. I might become so in the future. I've gone through that with a few Final Fantasies where I've not really bonded with them at first and then like I've gone back to them later and found something that I really liked but uh 15 is I just I'm sick of it at this point kind of age like fine wine kind of bitter in your mouth at first and then you go back <laughs> and take a look at it and like uh okay it's not total shit how many years was square working on the uh 13 compilation uh damn well the first game came out in 2010 i think yeah march 2010 is i think when i remember picking up my game from gamestop and lightning returns i remember getting that in like february of 2014 but i can't remember when exactly it came out it was feb i'm sure it was february of 2014 the games released, uh, like the the thirteen sequels released two years apart from each other, which is what you would expect mm. from like a general franchise. So the first one was twenty ten, and then thirteen two was twenty twelve, and then Lightning Returns was early twenty fourteen. Okay. Uh, and after that, they were just done with it. So, um, I mean, people obviously were angry at the time that thirteen was getting a sequel at all, let alone two. Which was understandable, but um, they went through that and they finished it, and that was it. So that was, I suppose, four years of thirteen. So we still could be in from a couple more of uh, fifteen. No, no, because they've said it's not getting sequels, and I'm not having it. I mean, they I, I don't really, I don't really see how they would make a sequel. I mean, I know you've never played the game, Flint, but just you know, Lex and Tenny would know what I'm talking about. Just the way the game ends. I mean, yeah. Really, there's just no room for a sequel. It's... Films and video games, there have been many, many examples of things which had conclusive endings and really should not have had sequels, and then got sequels anyway. Ten. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was what I was thinking. Okay, well, I'll, I'll say that, you know, with ten, for example, despite, you know, the shitty mini games and, you know, the J-pop everywhere and stuff, there is you know, sequel material there because you have a world trying to rebuild itself after finding out that their entire global religion was a lie. So, like, you know, without going off into too much of a tangent, like, you know, the conflicts between people who still support Yevon and those who've kind of broken away from it, you know, that's something that, you know, very real that I would expect to happen, you know, after the events of 10. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you know, sh shitty, shitty J-pop 
facade aside and Charlie's <laughs> Angels and the dress. I don't disagree with that. Like, I, I, I enjoy it. I tend to. I really do. Oh, yeah, um, I do too. I don't, but I don't just... totally hate it. Uh, but I get what you're saying about 15. It's not the same. It doesn't have the same scope, I don't think, for a sequel. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... With all the material they've been releasing for 15, I think it's just not necessarily that they're trying to milk it, but they're trying to make the most out of this world because a sequel is probably not on the uh, the docket. Not on the menu. Who knows? We'll see. Square has surprised us before, but um, no. When they're done with 15, you know, up with all of its updates throughout 2018 and stuff, I would really just like to see them move on and Well, before we get on to 16, let's jump back a game and talk a little bit about Final Fantasy 14, which uh, just got a new patch, 4.1 of The Legend Returns is what it's called. <laughs> Lex and I have been playing it, um, the other two people here both have Final Fantasy 14 accounts, but I guess you're both still very early still in the game. Like level, I'm still like level 17. I have not had a chance to play it in like over a month. Yeah. I have literally have not played it since the very first night I tried it out. <laughs> oh dear. I'm horrible. Which is, so, I mean, it sucks because that Rabinaster expansion that you guys got looks really cool. And... A Rabinaster expansion? It's in the patch. Uh, so this patch brought the new housing district, Shirogani, and it's in the far east, uh, and it's beautiful. And we've got a mansion in Shirogani. We've got the best mansion you can get in Shirogani, much okay. to the ire of uh, to explain how housing works to people who might not play fourteen. It's um. It's not instanced in the sense that there are wards that every player can go to and to buy a house you basically have to like log on as soon as the servers come up because they all get bought within five minutes. Um, so we got uh, a mansion for the free company and we were previously in a small house and oh, the, wow. the mansion is huge and beautiful and it's the best plot in the world, plot 30. So nice. we're very happy about that. Me and Flint uh, got up early on patch day, uh, start refreshing the the client to get the play button to come up, and the night before we'd rehearsed the fastest way to get to the plot we wanted. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. And we we went in at the same time we were on Discord, and we um, ran to the plot, and Flint just managed to beat someone else who was doing Yay. the same thing to our mansion. So we got our mansion. That's actually kind of fun to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you should, well, you should log on because if you, you, you have a teleport to the free company house and it'll take you to the new mansion. She won't if she's still on the free trial because she can't join the free company yet. Um, yeah, I'm still technically on the free trial. Well, I'm you can't. If it's been more than a month, you would have to pay for a subscription to play it again anyway, I think. No, I think the free, free trial is unlimited. So it is. Forgot timelines. It's up until level 30. Once I hit level 30, then I'll have to start play, pay, paying to play. Uh, yeah, 30 or 35 or something like that. Uh, so there's that, the new housing district, which we are very happy about because we managed to get a massive upgrade. 
Um, and then there is the new content. So in 14, they release new content every three to four months. Um, and with each new patch or content, they normally release a dungeon or two for like normal play. Um, they update the main story. So that's a continuous main story. And on every odd numbered patch, they release a 24 man raid. And the 24 man raid for the patches in Stormblood is called Return to Evilise. So it's all Tactics and 12 themed, uh, and it features characters from Tactics. Um, and the first. And one from 12 we've seen so far. One from 12, yeah. And the first raid is the Royal City of Rabinaster. Wow. So Great. it's literally like the 24 man raid is literally you're in Rabinaster. Um, and. There's a moment I just want to talk about. I don't want to spoil it too much, but I'll just mention this one moment where all of us, because we played through it at the same time on Discord, we were all like, oh my God, this looks amazing. And it's you end up in the Garam South waterway at one point. Oh, oh and you're just like flying down the water and the aqueducts and stuff. It's really cool because it looks, it looks so good, but it, you can also tell it's like, it is from 12. But it looks amazing in the game. It's a great moment. And Flint also has a video, actually, of us playing the raid. <laughs> you should go watch it. We had some some fun moments, because there were four of us doing it. Uh, Lex, me, uh, Kimball, and Joe. And it was the first time any of us had seen any of this. We hadn't looked at any guides or anything. So it was a blind run. And uh, it was quite difficult, uh, you know, as a blind run. I don't think it's it's going to be super challenging once you've learned all the fights, but there were some really fun mechanics of you know towers falling on top of players who who didn't even see them coming, and you know suddenly <laughs> Joe, Joe screaming in the Discord, and so we we put a little video compilation together of, of those moments. Uh, I suppose it's, it's, funny, yeah. it's it's on the live stream forum. I might link it on the. Uh, on the show notes, but it's definitely on the forum. Yeah, it was it was a really good fun raid. I was totally sold on the sort of tactics twelve crossover by the end. Beforehand, I was kind of wishing that it would just be more twelve because I'm really into twelve and I kind of only somewhat like tactics. Um, but the music from tactics worked really well. I thought uh, the story seems interesting. So yeah, thumbs up on that. I would like them to lean more into the into 12 or the load of 12 and the later um they might you know they might do some more 12 themed stuff in the the later patches and the rest of the raid but one of the things i liked about it as well is that as a uh, hashmal was there was he not hashmal's a boss yes um so there, there there is like 12 stuff in there obviously rabin astar being a big one <laughs> hmm. i think hashmal is in tactics as well is Rabin Astar in Tactics? No. There we go. The dungeon in the patch, I I think it's pretty bland. Um, yeah, it's probably the most... What I was expecting was... Um, so normally in previous patches, uh, in a Realm Reborn patches, so they normally do five patches, right? And in a Realm Reborn patches, they did three dungeons per patch, three new dungeons. Um, and those dungeons became like your expert roulette, like which is a daily thing you can use to get items and such. Um so they had that variety in the three dungeons and they always did one brand new dungeon and two hard hard mode versions of dungeons that are already in the game. But they are completely different. It's not like a cop-out. The dungeons are all, like, the, the hard mode dungeons are completely different from their normal mode counterparts. 
the so they did three per patch, and then when Heavens Word released and they did their five patches, they did two dungeons per patch. And they decided this time with Stormblood that they're going to do for the odd numbered patches, so like 4.1, 4.3, and 4.5, they're going to do one dungeon and more other content. Uh, and on even numbered patches, they're going to do two new dungeons. So I don't know how I feel about this because I was expecting with their one dungeon for it to be excellent and amazing. And it's very, very crap. It's just, I mean, it's not like awful, but it's a very boring, bland dungeon, as Flint said. It's kind of disappointing, to be honest, but Rabin Aster's in it. So it's like, as, I mean, Rabin Aster, the raid has been released and that was really good. So, but it's just a shame that the dungeon isn't really interesting. But there's also a new trial, but I don't think either of us have tried that one yet. What was that? Uh... The world extreme. Three, extreme, yeah. It's just an extreme version of like yeah. the original fight. I haven't tried it yet, no. I probably will try it this week, though. Hmm. So we mentioned the housing, and just before we move on from Final Fantasy fourteen, we should perhaps say that the housing situation has gathered a little bit of attention in the gaming press. It was sort of the highlight of this patch, and uh, many, many people ended up extremely disappointed because they wanted to get a house in the new district or even just get a house from the, in one of the old ones when someone moved. And then because of the massive queues to log in and server instability, and uh, there was like a little bug as well, uh, they couldn't get the house they wanted. And there, yeah. there's been much complaining. People are going crazy. Mm. But they like, have announced that there will be some more houses added later. Yeah. So that's the blow. That's not going to fix the issue, as many people are saying on the because the issue is people will buy people buy the plots of land and then sell them at an increased price. So it's like scalpers will run in to buy the plots of land and then like the plot of land a small house, for example, cost about three and a half million gil. Um and then they will then sell that for like a hundred million gil oh, wow. to someone who's absolutely desperate for a house. So like that that has been going on since personal housing was introduced. And when I, when housing was first introduced, when I first got the TLS free company house, uh, it was only free companies that could buy houses. And our house sat there unbought for about a week while I saved up the money to buy it. So the difference these days is that personal housing is now a thing. And as soon as personal housing became a thing, like as in each player can own their own house. Well, they can't because of the number, but the idea is that a single person, like for example, I have a personal house as well as the FC house. So we have our own FC house and I can also have my own personal house. Um, and since that was introduced, every single plot of land has sold immediately. So the play, the people who play the game who want a house but couldn't get it because they weren't like one of the very first people to log in are very, very angry because they're just like, this is unfair. That people are buying these houses and then selling them and that, like the developers have come out and said numerous times it's against the terms of service to do that but there's nothing in place to stop them yep okay so that they need to implement something that will force them to only sell the house for a certain price they could do that yeah um but what the way it works is like there's a plot of land and you run up to the placard and you buy that plot of land and if you're not the first person to do that you it's not yours, obviously. So it's very like first come, first serve. And when you relinquish that land, you don't get any money back. So if I was to, I could go to our FC house and click the relinquish land button 
and it would demolish the house and everything on it. Please don't. I'm not going to, Jesus. Um, <laughs> and it would demolish the land and leave it open for other people to come to it, but that doesn't happen. What happens is people arrange with someone, because it's not even a certain thing. Like, if someone agrees to buy a house, it is literally a case of you tell them when you're going to demolish it and they will stand outside the placard and buy it for themselves. But oh, okay. So it's like, it's not an there's no official way to sell a house in 14. Like, if I was to demolish the house, I wouldn't get any money back. Okay. Even you though ours cost forty five million to buy. You have to give somebody has you have to have someone give you the the money ahead of time and then you go demolish it. Yeah, pretty much. Like we I we I wouldn't personally do that. If I was going to get rid of the house, my own house, I would just demolish it. Do you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. um and we will be holding on to our FC house till the end of time because it's the most sought after plot in the ward. Yeah. <laughs> in the game, pretty much. In the game, yeah, the entire game. That's the one everyone wants. So we got really, really, really lucky. Um, and we did practice and stuff, and we knew it was going to be a rush, and we were fully prepared not to get it. Um, to the point where I, I ran to a different house. I ran to our backup house, basically, which was like a medium house on the other end of the ward that was also really nice. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was the first one there as well. But we got really lucky, and Flint managed to snag the one that we wanted. So... But as I say, it's, yeah, people are going absolutely crazy about it. They're really, really mad. I mean, we were prepared to not get it. So if we didn't get it, we would have just been like, oh, well, that sucks. But people are like, why can't I get a house? This sucks. This is awful. And they're like, I'm unsubscribing from the game. Unsubbing from the game and stuff. Aww. Yeah. So we got no, I have lucky. to say, we did get lucky. And there was a moment uh in my research the previous night when i just thought what am i doing with my life just you know timing which area is fastest to log in by you know half a second or whatever for a stupid in-game house it's gotta be done if you want a house in 14 that's yeah the yeah. system <laughs> we wanted we wanted the big house and we got the big house because we did all of that if we hadn't done all of that like even if we'd known the route if you hadn't used What's it called? Shin Shikuchi. Shikuchi. I keep going to call it Shinjuku for some reason. Uh, if you, there's a ninja move called Shikuchi that allows you to basically warp forward by like a small distance. And there was someone ahead of Flint in terms <laughs> of like where the house was to his position. And he used that move and got there before them. And if he hadn't used that move, we wouldn't have the house. So oh, wow. It's oh. like. Practice it's my perfect. Go, 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 Flynn. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, let's just end this by saying that our house is open to visitors. Uh, if you happen to play on Cerberus, you can come find us in Ward 7, of course, being a Final Fantasy 7 website, uh, plot number 30. Okay. Let's move on to uh, Mobius Final Fantasy now. Uh, there's been an announcement just in the last couple of days that there's going to be a Final Fantasy X and X2 crossover coming to the game. Uh, which may explore some sort of plot holes in, in the, the gap between those two games. Uh, Tenny, you were the one who found this article and shared it with us on the live stream. What are your yeah, thoughts? Dual Shockers has um, an article on it, and there is a video that's kind of like a trailer of the upcoming like event. Um, it's in Japanese, um, so I don't understand Japanese, obviously. 
But so the according to what Dual Shocker says that it is supposed to take place between ten and ten two. Now didn't like Dissidia also was that like two discs taken between those two games or am I wrong about that? I'm not an expert, I'm afraid. I think you're right. Uh, it's been a long time since I played Dissidia, but I, I do think you're right about that. Okay, but this. It almost makes it sound like, because like this in Dissidia, like nobody remembered anything, but this almost makes it sound like this might even, this might be like the plot of the event is that we're going to, you know, explore what was, what happened to Tidus after the end of 10 and before the, before the end of Final Fantasy X-2. So it's potentially canon is what you're saying? Potentially is what it sounds like. Um, so I might actually have to download Mobius and play it. At least for this event. I'm not making a YouTube effort for me. <laughs> Wasn't there that audio book that was the audio drama supposed to cover? Oh, no, we don't oh. know about that. <laughs> no, the audio drama takes place after, takes place a few years after 10 2, and it's. Oh, okay. I remember listening to that, and I'm all like, I wish this didn't exist because this uh, ruins uh, yes. everything. I had similar thoughts. Do you know the plot of it, Flint? Of the audio drama? Uh huh. Yeah, I listened to it. I, I had it on my um, two point five will super dream something something. I don't fucking know three five eight over two whatever it's called. It's so weird. Like how how do you take you know how do how do you fuck this up? <laughs> yeah, maybe no. the Mobius thing will be okay though. Like it could I'm be. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when it's being released outside of Japan because all it says is that it'll be available on October sixteenth. Um, That's tomorrow. In Japan, oh. it'll be available in Japan, and then on the twentieth, they're also getting a Blitzball themed event. I don't know when it is releasing outside of Japan, so I don't know if the sixteenth will be everywhere or if it's just. It sounds like it's just Japan, according to the Dual Shockers, but I can't imagine it's not going to be coming out everywhere else. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not sure when, but I guess if somebody has the Japanese Mobius. Play it and find out. I guess. We may be able to ask someone on the forum to check that out for us. So it's going to be, it's called Dream Within a Dream, Eternal Dream. Which is <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a weird title. But yeah, it's 3D actually Dream Dot Destiny. Yeah, I'm pretty much said Triple D, 3D, I don't know. Um, dream Within a Dream, Eternal Dream is going to be the name of the event, which seems very much like okay that that's going to be about tedious and stuff um so yeah i mean it's story of what happens on to tedious between the endings of the two games will be told in mobius final fantasy so this makes it sound like that that is going to be the point of this event is that we're going to tell us this is what happened to tedious after the end of 10 and before he popped back up in the end of 10 too i'm wondering so. what there is to tell like <laughs> I know, like I've been gonna... floating in the far plane. Is this gonna be like you know, kind of a well, pseudo my... maiden who travels the planet where Titus floats through the far plane and you know <laughs> meets different folks in the far plane and finds out all this knowledge and all this other stuff? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But I don't. A theory that I always had, and spoilers for people who don't know how Final Fantasy X ends. It's it's hard for me to fathom that people still wouldn't by now, but I guess they still exist. Um, but one theory that I had is that when during the end game content, if you revisit all of the temples, you get like when you talk to all the faith, 
they they do t- you know talk to you a little bit. I can't remember which ones. I think Shiva might mention something about it, and I can't remember who else. But they talk about the potential of creating a new dream. Like one of them says, we will create a new dream for which for you for which you for you to play or whatever. Like it almost kind of insinuates that they might be able to recreate the dream Zanarkin onto the far plane, which means that. You know, it just means probably means that he just can't be in spirit anymore, but he might still be chilling in the the dream Zanarkand if it even still exists in a different area place. Um, so it's possible that maybe the the faith were able to recreate the dream Zanarkand, and and now we get to like hang out with Titus in the dream Zanarkand that now exists on the far plane instead of in like an ultra little pocket dimension in Spira. To me, that kind of doesn't make sense because it's like the whole point of, you know, dream, you know, of, you know, Titus fading away at the end of 10 was that the faith were tired of dreaming. They wanted to sleep, you know, they, you know, they wanted to stop dreaming to create this world to keep alive and everything. So, yeah, I mean, they dream Xanarkand in the far plane. I mean, listen, it's not a decent theory. I'm not dogging on any of it. I'm just like, why would the faith? Want is it to just the dream, or is it because the because the dream Xanarkand was being summoned into existence yeah. by Yevon? So I think there's more to it than just the faith are tired. They're being forced to do this by Yevon. Not only that, no, but then, it was the, also being it's also you know creating sin. So maybe doing it on the far plane isn't. If maybe it's a different kind of experience to do it on the far plane versus in the real world. Well, because all the all the fireflies and stuff exists. That's where they exist is on the far plane. So maybe it's maybe it's different because of that. I don't know. I remember like I remember playing ten two, and there are all those kind of secret slash hidden behind walls of dialogue scenes with Machen you can have that you need to have yeah. to get the one hundred percent ending oh, to God. have Titus come back. And he he talks about that stuff about like him being summoned. And all that, and I just I barely remember it. I don't think I registered it even when I'm like physically playing the game. But there's probably something in that that's relevant. Maybe I have to replay. I that. don't think he was. I don't think he was summoned. I think. Nature. Well, I, I yeah. Well, I just played Ten Two last year, so I'm trying to think of that dialogue. But basically, naked was. I he was so forgetful that he forget that he he forgot that he had died and was basically an unsent the entire time so did you do the 100 percent list uh yes because there are there are some scenes like there's some very hidden scenes with machin and one of the ones he says he asks i think he asks you if you want to see him again or something as you know oh bahamut did that asks you that i think on the far plane. Oh, that's what it is. And you whistle or something. Or you have to whistle to make that happen. Fuck no, it was mad. Crazy. I just know. It's just bad shit. If I had never read a guide, I wouldn't have known to do that. Oh, for sure. It's like you have to press a specific button that doesn't doesn't have that function anywhere else in the game. It's just if you press it between this time point and this time point, it happens. And it's like, how are you going to know to do that? Like, <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, so it was Bahamut, Bahamut asks Yuna, you know, like, do you want to see him again? And then you have the option of saying yes, or the option of saying, it's better this way. 
It's like, why would you say no? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is pretty much the canon ending of the whole story between Ted and Ted. So why would they give you the option of saying no? Right? Oh, they should never have done that. I mean, they as much as I believe... You know, was just fine with her 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 lesbian road trip. Fuck yeah! No, um, um, cause I do as much as I'm a proponent of the fact that I believe that Tita should not have come back at the end of ten two. That the ending of ten was perfect and beautiful as it was. I do think that like when giving the option, why would she say no if she were all like, <laughs> see him again? Now I'm good. <laughs> uh, I think it, I think if she knew the I think if she knew that the events of that stupid audio drama were going to happen, she probably would have been like, no, "I'll just leave this here." God, that's no, you that you can keep him. I, as far as I'm concerned, that shit does not exist. Yeah, same here. I just clicked on that completely out of curiosity after I bought Ten and Ten Two as a pack on the. HD remaster on Steam. I'm like, uh, what is this? And then sat through it for ten minutes, and I was like, what the hell? It's stupid. It's so it's fucking. It's one of the stupid. dumbest things I've ever heard. I mean, he just gets head gets his head blown off by a blitz ball, and then oh my god, that's a novel. Like... That is not an audio drama. That happened in the that happened in the in the novel. That the novel is only of a novella, whatever. That's only available in Japanese. I don't think it's been officially translated into anything else. Did that not happen in the audio drama? Not in the audio drama. I thought it did. That's like one of the I most mean, random and shitty ways to die, getting your head blown <laughs> off by a blitz ball. I think the the audio drama might take place after that happened because I know like the the two characters, like the main, the two main characters of the audio drama, like kinda of, when they meet up with Titus, they kind of talk about how he seems like he's like hurt or tired or something. Oh yeah, and she's like, because she's not. That's what it is in the audio drama. It is beyond that point because she's avoiding him, and nobody can work out why they're not like speaking to each other and stuff. Yeah, because there is a scene where they overhear Titus talking to Lulu, and he's all like, "I don't know why she won't talk to me and stuff like that." And she's like, "If I acknowledge his existence, he'll disappear." <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Stupid. If I acknowledge his existence, he'll disappear. It's a, I don't know. I have to go reread it. That no, it's because it's because she's the only one that knows he's actually dead because he got his head blown off by a blitz ball. So she's like, she can't, she's like, I can't be around him anymore because he's actually dead, but nobody knows yet except me. <laughs> That's literally it. Yeah. And then and then Sin comes back at the end. That's the audio drama. <laughs> yeah, let's hope that this uh, Mobius crossover is not quite as batshit crazy. I know. I was like that novel and the audio drama. I'm just all like, God, just stop it. Just don't. You're ruining. I mean, You're ruining everything. So, everything is just so out of character. I mean, it's kind of like what Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was to the Harry Potter series. It's just some out, far out batshit sequel edition that makes no fucking sense in terms I remember. Of story. I remember reading a. Uh... An interview with it was written by Nojima, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And I remember reading an interview with him because he wrote the scenario for Ten, but was like yeah. less involved with Ten too. And he was like, "I really don't like happy endings." Um, oh, we know that, buddy. And he wanted oh. it. To, he want he liked like the way Ten ended, like most people did, and like was unhappy with you know the resolution in Ten Two with the one hundred percent ending or whatever, and that's why it's so ridiculous. 
because he was just like, I wanted to, I don't think it's right that it was all kind of wrapped up in a bow, but there's ways to write that without being so fucking crazy. I think I mentioned this in the forum way back in the day when all this shit came out. I was all like, I think that he's just fucking trolling everybody. Like, he's writing this to be weird as fuck on purpose. Yeah. There's there's ways to fix the ending without completely screwing your continuity and your fan base in the freaking ear. Like, <laughs> no. Oh, that's so, like, fuck. But anyways. Yeah. I think, I think we've probably vented about 10 and 10 to enough for the time being. Well, I'm sure we'll come back to this on a later podcast. Please look forward to it. Okay. Let's get on to our next piece of news. Uh, continuing our move back through the series, uh, we have a piece of Final Fantasy IX news, which is that it's been released on the PS4. Just, just like that. It was kind of, I think it was released on the same day as it actually came out a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah. The this is a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to tell the story of how it came out. <laughs> please, please do. Uh, they announced it at Tokyo Game Show, I believe, and they showed a trailer, and then at the end of it, it said, "Out now on PS4," and everyone went, "Whoa!" And it released I know, worldwide. It was like stealth, stealth release. It was like. Mm-hmm. So BT Dubs, everyone. This is <laughs> happening today. Oh, okay. That is awesome, though. What's that? Not being able to play the game. Uh, there are a few things to mention. The first is they skipped eight, and I know some people don't care, uh, but I do because I like seven, eight, and nine equally almost, being the PlayStation games that I do love. Nine is an amazing game, um, but it is a straight port of the PC port, which is a port <laughs> of the smartphone version, meaning the menus are all huge and annoying. Um, but it is still a great version of the game. One very big negative, though, is that it doesn't have analog support, which is so random. Uh, The mobile version and the PC version also didn't have analog support, which is, again, a very random thing because the original game had analog support way back. To be be clear on this, if you play the PC version with with a controller and an analog stick, it will accept the analog movements, but it will convert those into eight directions. Yes, but that's the same as the PS4 version and that right, you use okay. the analog stick and it, it's not true analog movement. Yeah. So I, th- I thought it, when you said it at first, it kind of sounded like you can't use the analog stick, which would be like, no, you can, you can use the analog crazy. stick to control the characters, yeah. but it, it, the, the characters move with like D pad in eight directions, hmm. regardless of what method you choose. Uh, and the menus are also really ugly just because they're ported from the smartphone version, which obviously had like big massive menus for your fingers to touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, you know, it's graphically nicer than the original game and um, the text and stuff has been upda- updated and it's a, it's a great way to experience the game. Uh, it also gives you the boosters that came with the PC version, which are like all hits 9999. And uh, so there's there's two separate sets of boosters. So there's the menu boosters and that's like learn of the ability, etc. Those disable trophies if you use those. But the, the, there's also other boosters that are like activated by just you pressing like a button combination. And those are like speed up, which is really good to have in nine because it's very, very slow in terms of the battles and stuff. So you can do like a three times or I don't even know if it's four times speed up uh, to speed through the game. I used that a lot when I did my Steam playthrough. 
Uh, one thing worth noting is that it, when there's a countdown on the screen, so like the half hour Tantarian countdown in like disc three, I believe, yep. um, it doesn't speed up the time. It just speeds up your movement. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, other than that, yeah, there's not really much to say. It's the same as the PC port that was released before. It sucks that there's no analog control. And I, th- I think that's it pretty much. Yeah, the battles uh, actually load quicker as well than they did on the PS1 originally, even if you don't have the the speed boost run. That's good. Which is, yeah, they used to be really slow. So any of you planning to buy this? Eventually. Um, Eventually. I've never played 9, so this will be my first time experiencing the game. Really? Yes, really. It's It's always something I'm ashamed to admit to people. Aww. But you know, because the situation. Oh, I'm I'm gonna re- rectify it and maybe try and get in on that. I'll come back to this. Like we'll come back to this <laughs> topic when we do the uh, listener feedback question later. I feel because nine is going to be topical then. It's gonna be an extremely <laughs> long time since I played nine, so I really should probably get this. I still think it's a fantastic game. One of the best. It is, for sure. I'm not sure if I'd get the new version. Again, I don't have PS4, but if I did, eh, I don't I don't like the menus and the analog movement. Those are kind of big enough things for me not to play it and just go back to the PS1 version on emulator or something. It's so slow, though. That's the only thing about the original version. You can speed up emulators. Uh, it's not the same. It's not really. But... It's not the same. I don't know. Okay, I think we're done with uh, Final Fantasy IX then. Uh, <laughs> we have a new mobile game. Hooray! Everyone was waiting for this, right? Oh, and the no. public rejoiced. God. This game uh, was actually announced in February, but uh, at the Tokyo Game Show a few weeks ago, uh, there was a video of Final Fantasy Explorer's Force. Um, not entirely sure if this is going to have a worldwide release or just in Japan. Um, this game looks reasonably interesting. It's got kind of a, a slightly 12-ish feel to it because you can go exploring and then fight monsters on the same screen. There's no like separate battle screen. Uh, you can There's like a job system in it um, with half a dozen or so jobs. There are some Final Fantasy characters from the rest of the series like uh, Cloud and Squall and Lightning. AKA um, cash grab. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know how this is going to be priced. I imagine it'll be free to play and then pay to get these characters or something like that. Uh, then you can summon various things. There's like a half hour video from, from TGS. Uh, it's in Japanese, but I actually think this looks quite interesting as far as mobile games go. I don't know. Have any of you had a chance to look at this? I just clicked on the link uh, <laughs> and I was reading some of the comments and it was like somebody wrote gacha bullshit uh, and there's like, I don't know what this term is, maybe somebody else does, but it's like gacha something. It's basically like loot boxes mm. um, because apparently you're going to have to pay to like get equipment and certain things and upgrade your characters and stuff, which is, it's not going to go down well when this game releases. It'll be whatever that game was. ATB, it'll be that all over again. 
Uh, don't know why they're releasing another mobile game. They, they have quite a successful one right now in Mobius. Uh, to be fair, I think All the Bravest was panned for being absolutely shit more than it was panned for being uh, my mobile cash grab. What was the other one? If it wasn't All the Bravest, there was a mobile cash grab. Uh, Airborne Brigade, perhaps. I think it may have been that one. I don't know. There are too many Final Fantasy mobile games. They're all equally mediocre. Uh, don't understand. They must be making a shitload of money out of them. They just must mm, be. For sure. Yeah. From- well, that's the thing. Like, why are Sorry. there so goddamn many? Like, they just well, have like, one or two. Mobile gaming is very popular in Japan because a lot of people play these games on their daily commutes and from work on public transportation and stuff. Mm. So it's one of the reasons they've been focusing a lot on mobile gaming particular. I mean, mostly for the, the, the Japanese audience and everything. I mean, the only Final Fantasy mobile game I've ever been interested in in recent years is FF7 G-Bike. I could see myself actually playing that and that didn't release in the West. So fuck them. I, I would have liked to play G-Bike. Yeah, it would have been. I mean, I, I know that now I have an Android phone, I can probably download the APK from somewhere and like literally just put it on my phone and play it. But they didn't release it officially in the West, and I don't know why, because it would have been, I think, out of all the mobile games they've released, it would have been probably the most popular because it has the Seven brand name on it. Um, in terms of previous mobile games, obviously there was like <clears throat> before Crisis and stuff, but that's talking about a different era. And it's also like kind of like a racing type of game, right? G bike. Yeah, you're like you or like you, you you like are riding the bike around. Yeah, yeah. It's the. I mean, it's basically like an expanded version of the Escape from Shinra Headquarters in the original game. See, and I think that would probably go down with Western audiences a lot more too, because all these other ones are basically like RPGs, which are popular too. But yeah, I think that the bike would have had a broader appeal. It would have, I think, for sure. I don't know why they chose not to release that in the West. I think that's still getting updated in Japan. G-Bike. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, they, I thought they stopped it completely and it's not even available anymore. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It shows you how closely I follow these things. <laughs> when it's related to mobile, I'm just like, I don't even see it anymore. I'm just, They're all the same to me. I'm just like, oh, it's a mobile game. Next. If you, dear listener, know anything about uh, the first generation of Final Fantasy mobile games, then uh, please head over to the live stream forum because our beloved Shademp is working his ass off trying to uh, recover these old games as best he can. Um, but of course, many of them were never released outside of Japan. Some of them came pre-installed on phones, which have now been reset and you know you have to buy them secondhand from a seller who won't even switch the phone on to tell you if if it's got this game on it and this they can't, includes can't ship it with the battery and all sorts of problems mm-hmm. uh this includes before crisis final fantasy 7 dirge of, dirge of cerberus lost episode uh did it include the ff7 snowboard in one because that was a thing i don't know if i, I did think so yeah FF7 snowboarding was like the first like Final Fantasy app on phones. I think like it was before before Crisis. It was pre before Crisis. Uh, before before Crisis. Before before Crisis. So, but yeah, we're trying to Shademp specifically is trying to find these games because 
I think you can actually get them online, but obviously there's no way to play them, so it's pointless. So, and because I think before Crisis was due to space on phones, it was like you had the shell of the program that ran it on the phone. Some phones come with like the first two episodes or something, and then you had to like network update to get the rest of the episodes. So there is legitimately no way to play Before Crisis in the modern era because all of that was discontinued a long time ago. So it's just about trying to find basically these fragments where I can dissect them. This is a a sad fact about the digital age, really, just that these things quite easily get lost and then become completely inaccessible. Yeah. And there's no longer like a hard copy. There may be. I mean, Square probably have some, but they're not going to just willingly release their, their source code, I imagine. Yeah. Oh, they could have lost it as well. I mean, God knows they've lost code before. I mean, they were released on... These games were released on flip phones. So it's one of those ones where if you remember ever having, like, a branded flip flip phone, and, like, in the very late generation of branded flip phones, you could maybe plug it into a computer. But we're talking about the era where it couldn't, you know... It didn't... You couldn't put MP3s on it. You had, like, polyphonic ringtones and stuff. Yeah. So it's that era. The games existed, you know, in some sort of fucking JavaScript wormhole on these flip phones, and there's just no way, like, no emulator exists kind of thing. So it'd be good to try and kind of get the actual data and attempt to decompile it in some way. Hmm. We could have a whole podcast about these, as far as I'm concerned. I I find it really fascinating. For sure. To dump on here, but... um... We'll save that for another time, I guess. Uh, There was actually, speaking of mobile games, a little bit of news about Record Keeper, which I have to say, as far as the the Final Fantasy mobile games go, Record Keeper is a pretty decent one. I'd say it's Um, probably the best one, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's one one I probably played the most of. Me too, yeah. At the Tokyo Game Show, they, um, they demoed a... Uh, a, a video sequence where they recreated the Final Fantasy VII intro in the game engine. So there's obviously going to be some sort of Final Fantasy VII event coming up here. Uh, you can go check it out on the livestream.net. We have an article up with this video in it. I think it looks pretty neat. Don't know about you guys. Is this event a harbinger of things to come? Though? It looks, I mean, it looks pretty cool. I've seen it. It does. It's quite nice with the graphic, the graphical style of that game and stuff. It actually looks really nice. Mm. So we'll see what it's like when it's out. Indeed. Uh, moving on then. Um, there was a limited color edition version of the uh, Cloud Play Arts Kai model. Um, I think this has been out in America before, but for the first time it was available in Europe, and there was a limited 500 box run of these uh, 30th anniversary mystery boxes. They only revealed that you would get this cloud model and one playing card or something. I don't remember exactly. Um, we happen to have someone on this show who bought one of these boxes. So, uh, Lex, why don't you, you tell us all about it? <laughs> yeah, I saw that there was a, a 30th anniversary box being released, and uh, I remember, was it the 15th or the 20th anniversary? One of those two. Um, 
there was like a big, you know, Final Fantasy collection released. And it's something I always kind of regretted not getting just because it's something to commemorate, you know, FF is like a huge hobby of mine and I love it and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to get this one, even though it was basically a loot crate in that it was like, you pay this amount of money and you don't know what's in it aside from the Cloud Play Arts guy. So obviously the Cloud Play Arts guy was a big draw for me anyway, because hello, Final Fantasy VII. Um, I don't have the only Play Arts Kai I have aside from that is the Noctis one that came with my Ultimate Collector's Edition of 15, and I've never even bothered to take it out of the plastic. Um, but I wanted the Limited Color Edition because obviously it's the, the original game, and I thought, why not? I'll just dip into this. Uh, so I got the box. There's loads and loads of pictures I've posted on the live stream in the Final Fantasy 30th anniversary thread, I believe. Uh, and it looks really good, and he's quite posable and stuff. Uh, I would say it's overall pretty, you know, good quality, excellent model, etc. I've got him standing next to my desk right now. Uh, occasionally I will make him pose a certain way and then send a picture of it to someone to let them know how I'm feeling. <laughs> uh, the only complaint I've got is that his, his legs are a bit weird. Like, the legs are a bit um, large and the hips are a bit wide. I think it's just because he's so poseable that you can like do a lot with the, the legs and stuff. But like, yeah, it's a really good high quality model. Um, the actual 30th anniversary box contained that. It had a 30th anniversary mug, which I have next to me also. And it had, aside from that, I don't think there was anything huge other than the trading cards. Uh, so I had like three massive packs, like boxes of, of the trading card collectibles. And I I don't know if it was random per box, but I got the Final Fantasy VII one, the Final Fantasy X one, and the Final Fantasy XIII one, which I was pretty happy with because I'm a fan of all of those entries. Uh, and then there were loads of booster packs as well for the trading card game. So it was literally like thousands of cards. But I don't know... I think that was it. Like, shitload of cards, Cloud Play Arts Kai, and a mug. Uh, I'm not unhappy with the purchase because the Cloud Play Arts Kai would have cost the amount that I paid on its own. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Hmm. There are also some uh, promotional pictures of that model of Cloud oh, uh, yes. on the front page of the live stream for anyone who's interested. You just reminded me, it also came with like a, an Amano Art postcard set. Uh, the the irony of that is that Joe gave me said Emmanuel card postcard set when I met him about a month and a half ago. Met up with him for like a TLS meetup, and he brought some gifts. And one of the gifts he gave me was that. So <laughs> I now have two. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, if you want to send one of those my way, I, mean, I think I will. Like the, the the set that Joe <laughs> gave me, I've already given one of them away. Um, so I'll probably just start giving them out to. Random TLS members of me up. <laughs> Guess I know what to expect next February then. <laughs> we'll we see. do it for, if we do like a Secret Santa or something this year, you can send it to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The final piece of news we have here is quite a juicy one, I think. It's um, from Kitase, uh, Yoshinada Kitase, who has, I think about a month ago, commented on. Um, number of popular fan theories about Final Fantasy games, including uh, did Squall die at the end of Disc One in Final Fantasy VIII? His answer was no. 
uh, are Renault and Ultimicia the same person again? No. And various other theories. It's surprising how many of those I felt like he'd never heard before. I'm like, they've got to at least heard this stuff before. Wait a minute, die at the end of disc one? Was that when he was freaking impaled with the the ice spear by Edia? Yes. It's quite a nice theory, to be honest, because everyone is kind of like, the story after that in the game becomes completely batshit. Yeah, like, disc one is so good, and suddenly after disc one, you're like, game is weird as fuck now. (laughs) See, I played it when I was very young, so I didn't quite get that impression from it when I was playing through it. Now, as an adult, when I'm looking back at it, the disc one story is very, like, it seems very one track, do you know what I mean? In a good way, it's very, it's quite focused, and then after that it does go a bit crazy. But I just, you know, when, at the time when I played this, I just took it in as, like, the fantastical part of, like, what Final Fantasy is, and the story, like, wherever the story was going, I was kind of along for the ride. Um, but yeah, that, that's where the Squall is Dead theory came from in the first place, was basically just like, look, it looks like he's getting stabbed through the heart here, and then after this, everything is nuts, and everybody's, like, suddenly friends, than, and... It was more than just the heart, like, that That was a really big, big, big fucking piece of ice. <laughs> that, like, impaled, like, his whole chest, practically. Yeah. <laughs> and Kotaku's like, oh, he was stabbed in the shoulder. That's not through the fucking shoulder. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That's <laughs> not what it looked like on screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it was just his air quote shoulder. <laughs> and by that we mean his entire torso, but whatever. I don't know. I like. I, I always like these developer interviews um, in the sense that they confirm or deny things, but I don't ever find them reliable purely because they have gone back on stuff that they've said before so many times and it just gives off this impression that they don't actually know what they're talking about. Like, in the sense that they don't don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, quite often they're like, why are people asking me these questions? (laughs) Like, what even Mm -hmm. is this? Um, But Dead Squall died at the end of Disc 1 in FF8. No, I think everybody knew that was the case, but it was just a fun theory. I think in this case, I would take this as reliable because I think that they, if if this stuff was true, they would have planned it amongst themselves. Yeah. That's when, out of the blue, they decide, oh, well, 7 and 10 are in the same universe. That's your kind of all like, nobody really? Interesting you should bring that up, because that's mentioned as well, and it's like, that's the only one that he didn't fly out deny. <laughs> but no, it's a bit more. In, see, if you read the actual interview, it's a bit more involved than that because he, what he actually says is they're not actually the 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 universes aren't related, but they could be like distant ancestors or something. Yeah. So it wasn't like it wasn't a flat no or yes. What was Katase the one who first threw that stuff out there, or who was that? I think it may have been Katase. Like back in well, the day, where he was all like, "Well, maybe they're connected." Ooh. Well, he was the producer of Final Fantasy X too, which was the game that established that link, as at least as being a possibility. I mean, I don't think that it, that came from an interview as so much as it came from what happens in the game. No, there. I'm well, sure in the you... game, there's a there's a character named Shinra in the game, yeah. and he talks about the idea of using the far plane as an energy source. And you're like, oh, really? 
Yeah, mm. but did Katassi not say something in Ultimania all the way back then, even? That there was a link between the two? I'm sure he did. <clears throat> I don't I'm know. Sure, I'm sure it has a developer thing. Of the Ultimanias. We do. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. Sorry about that, to be honest, I always, I always thought about the the Shinra using the far plane energy. You know, was more of like an Easter egg and stuff. And then later, I found out. I'm like, no, wait, this shit is connected. No way. I know that's the same thing that I thought. I thought, I thought it was, was just supposed to be an Easter egg. Yeah, same here. Like a clever Easter egg. Haha, ha, we get the joke. Move on. The idea that it's supposed to be like, oh, they're connected. I always thought that was a little cheese ball. Like, no, no, they're not freaking connected. Well, they are kind of like, even the developers are like, maybe it's a connection. Do you know what I mean? They're not committed to it. They're not saying that it definitely is. They're saying that it could be. Like, I think the original theory went that, um, and like the Shinra company and FF7 are like, like Shinra from FF10 too is like a distant ancestor of them. Yeah, that's what I've heard that that ten would be like in the past, and then ten or and then seven is in the future or something. Yeah, and like they discovered space travel and went to a different planet and shit. Something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the other one that was debunked is our uh, FF8s, Renoa and Ultimatia, the same person. So there was another theory for it, which was like. Renoa can't die and eventually becomes Ultimacia. And the fan theory is like comes from like moments in the game that could be plot that could say that that's plausible and stuff. Uh, and it's a theory I always kind of liked to be honest because it put a kind of darker spin on Eight Ending. But... I think that one's totally plausible because Squall dies at the end of Disc One, and so everything after that is just a dream. <laughs> 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 But this this theory is a little bit more complex. Um, Squall dying is basically like it could have happened. It wouldn't it be funny if it happened? Basically, um, yeah. whereas with Reno and Ultimatia, it's kind of you got to think about it a little bit harder because there's all that time compression stuff, and I don't even want to try getting my head around this. It's a very interesting theory, though, and anyone that's a fan of Final Fantasy would do well to read it. Um, we know it's not true, but that doesn't make it not fun to think about. Especially with the ending and stuff, because there's there's a moment in the ending FMV where it kind of flips between their faces, and I think that's what triggered people to start thinking about it and then start examining like lines in the game and stuff and see mm. how plausible it was. Um, I would say the other big thing that was said by Katase was, was it ever intended for Aerith to come back to life? And his answer was no. Uh, yeah, I'll read out the he, quote here. Yeah, he says. Um, it might be good in a fantastical story that you can revive the characters, but with Final Fantasy VII, we wanted to really take another look at that, look at human life, and make people realize they don't come back. That's not exactly new information in this interview. He's, he's commented on this before. That, you know, death is a, a core theme of Final Fantasy VII and loss. Yes. Is. I mean, the original quote is in a song, in an OC Remix song, um, and I think it's uh Sakaguchi's quote and he says oh, it might be Katasi actually and he's like in the real world things are very different you just need to like, look around you nobody wants to die that way people die of disease and accident death comes suddenly there's no notion of good or bad it leaves no dramatic feeling but great emptiness when you lose someone you love very much it leaves a big empty space and you think if I had known this was coming I would have done things differently mm. so that's like the entire quote and I remember that only because it's in one of the 
OCD mix songs that I listen to sometimes. Um, and that is a core theme of Seven, obviously, with Aerith. Uh, and it's one of those things that a lot of, like, I don't want to use the word casual, but people who consider themselves fans of Seven but don't really stop to think about the story much, partially because the translation's quite poor and partially because some things are quite unclear, don't realise that she was always supposed to die and there is no way she is ever coming back because that is the point of her dying in the first place. So it's like... I don't know. It's one of those things that kind of irks me, and I'm glad we have this, you know, confirmation because it reaffirms to me that they're not they're not going to do anything too batshit with her in the remake. I know there's 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 other like fan things that I see on the on like the internet and Tumblr and stuff, and I don't know if I want to bring them up because it's opening <laughs> a can of worms that nobody on the forum wants to open. But there are people who think that. After Advent Children, Aerith is continuously always coming back because she can come back from the live stream whenever she wants. But it's like, no, that was the whole point. Like, she showed up, like, in spirit form a couple times in Advent Children. But at the end, when her and Zack walk off, that's supposed to be it. They're gone. Like, they're yes. leaving. Everything is done. Like, Aerith is gone. Aerith and Zack are both, like, gone back to the live stream, never coming back after that point. And it's, it's always irked me that people try to say, but Nomura said that she can. Nomura never said that. He said that she lives on in the hearts of the people who knew her. I think that's, and I I could be wrong, but I feel like that's where people get the impression that she's coming back. No, it's supposed to be, it's very clearly supposed to be closure for her and Zach. Yeah. And, and it's all about, obviously, as, you know, orbiting planets around Cloud. There's a lot of people out there who seem to like not, like they don't believe that. They think that well, Aerith will be coming back. She's basically like back now because she can come back whenever she wants. No, she's not. And those are the same people that'll be the first to leap into love triangle debates. So no, I wasn't. Gonna, I was not gonna go there. That's what I was trying to tiptoe around. That this is all because. No, but it's just I mean, want, to continuously I bring back Aerith, whether she's in a spirit form or just you know it just it really cheapens the loss of the character i mean and i agree with you know Aerith and zach they live on in the hearts of the people that remember them that that's poetic it makes sense i mean it's realistic it's realistic and but it just they live on as memories only memories are not actually there yeah except, except for sephiroth who will never be a memory but <laughs> Actually, I, I'm, I hope they're done with Sephiroth too. Like, don't bring him back anymore. Oh. Well, yeah, I think with I think with the remake, I don't know. It depends. They could completely change up, but it, it's it's always going to be irritating that there are people who won't acknowledge. You know that she was always supposed to die, and she's not supposed to be coming back. Like that is the set that if if you change that, if you if you think she's coming back from the dead, you are completely missing the point of her death in the first place. It's supposed to have an impact because it's not, not supposed to have any real meaning to it. If you examine it the way it is, it's supposed to be a shock, an empty loss, the way real death is in real life. Even if you're prepared, it's like when someone dies, they're gone, and it's like, what, what, do, what do we do now? That is the way it's supposed to be. Even though she is a special character, she's the last remaining, etc. She's very much set up, you know, 
for you to believe that um that she's not going to die essentially uh and then she dies because that is what they intended for the story and for the plot and i'm gonna shamelessly take a quote from uh game of thrones but you know death doesn't just come for the wicked and leave the decent behind you know Mm -hmm. Eric's death kind of shows that you know no nobody is immune from you know just being killed senselessly and i mean it sucks and it's a hard you know lesson to learn but it's i mean that's that's it that's you know the kind of stuff that goes on in the real sucks Mm. yeah but i'm just glad that katase is like saying this just she's 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 dead she's always supposed to die she's gone Yep. I think <laughs> what we can conclude from this is that it's going to be paid DLC in the remake. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Resurrect Aerith, $50. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. But I I'd be pretty fucking surprised, disappointed. Actually, if they did do that, if it was like Spirit Aerith joins the free and there was like a stupid trailer, it's like bringing her latest pole to the party. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess it could it could be fun because, uh, you know, the, the characters in the remake are going to supposedly all have, uh, you know, unique abilities. Um, so perhaps there'll be a chance to play some battles after her death, which you would have never got to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That would probably be the glitch <laughs> you can monopolize and no, they can't, have they Aerith can't in the party. <laughs> They can't do it. They just can't. I'm just thinking about it now, and it's like, if you think about, I just thought about, like, imagine they had her pop in as, like, a, a DLC spirit character, do you know what I mean? And it's, mm. you can imagine them, like, with her having dialogue, and it would just cheapen the whole thing. <laughs> it would really just cheapen the whole thing if you could have mm. her, like, after after the point in the game where she's supposed to die. Because what's the point of losing her, then? Yeah. I mean, if she just comes back as an unsent spirit. <laughs> <laughs> unsent, you say? I think the connection between Final Fantasy X is showing again. All right, let's finally wrap up this uh, hour and a half segment of news from from the last (laughs) month. I did warn you that there was going to be a lot of it, and we were a bit off topic in times. Uh, Let's quickly take a look at what's new on the live stream. So this first item here actually came out uh, before we published our our previous podcast, um, but after we recorded it, so I'm going to include it here. It is part two of the lateral biography of uh, Turks, the kids are all right. This is something that a lot of people have been looking forward to. We don't get many comments on our articles on on the live stream, but um, already a few people have been saying, you know, this is great, and I've been making personal PDFs and all sorts of things with this. Ooh. Uh, you guys read these books by any chance? I've read all of them aside from that one. Um, mm. And I'm going to read it because I think in terms of the timeline of like the universe of Final Fantasy VII, it's the latest. I think it has moments that are supposed to occur beyond... Uh, where Dirge of Cerberus ended, which I think is the latest we've ever seen in like the seven timeline. So I'm definitely going to read it at some point, but it's you know it's quite long. Um, 
16 chapters. Yeah, and I haven't, I just haven't really started. I started to read the first part, I think, a couple of years ago. Uh, and I was waiting kind of when after, I think when I found out part two wasn't out yet, I was just kind of like, I don't want to get halfway through this and stop. So hmm. uh, big props to Pixel and all the people who worked on getting this out. I can't Absolutely. wait to read it. Oh, one guy gave a co printed out copy of part one to his brother as a as a Christmas present. Aww. <laughs> oh, he like uh, that's that's kind of cute. <laughs> I have to admit, I haven't read a lot of the Turks. This Turks one, I am. I think I read. I was reading parts of part one, but I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. Our next item on what's new is something I probably should have put in the news section, but I fucked up. Um, <laughs> Better late than never. Yeah, well, we do have an article about this, so I'm going to get away with it. It's uh, the Ultimania books are finally getting English translations. Uh, is this Ultimania series, if you don't know, um, how could we describe it? It's it's basically like a canonical sort of arts and information book series that has been out in Japan uh, for every game in the main series up to 14 so far. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a 15 one yet. Uh, there is a 15 one, yes. Okay. I know Trace has worked on the translations with uh, Super Espresso. She's a uh, she's a forum member. Yeah. Well, this is amazing news. Um, I didn't know about this. I've always wanted them to do English translations of the Ultimania books. It's mm. being published by Dark Horse, and uh, there's going to be three of them. And I believe, I haven't clicked into the article in a while, but I believe the first one is going to cover Final Fantasy 1, 2, 6. Yep, that's right. And, uh, I mean, I'm I'm excited for this. You know, the Ultimanias are, you know, probably like the one piece of, you know, Final Fantasy merchandise that I always wish would be localized and released for english speaking and english reading audiences and I'm really what do you think there's so much behind the scenes you know info you know just not just concept art but there's just so much like you know story info and you know things like tidbits about like, like oh we were originally going to do this and then we decided to do this and just you know it, documents like how the story changed you know throughout its development um, I'm worried there's going to be missing information though, because each Ultimania book's quite large. Uh, and if they're doing one to six in one book, how big is that book going to be? Or, or are they going to be condensing it? Do you know what I mean? I guess we'll see when it comes out next year. But that's a, that's what I was concerned about too. I think I'll definitely be getting it. Obviously, I'm I'm most excited for the volume two, which I assume will have like seven to ten in it, or even just seven, eight, nine. Uh, just seven eight nine, yeah. The if if you're not familiar with these books, they're kind of, I I guess they're kind of like the Bible of Final Fantasy. Like <laughs> if there, if there's ever a dispute in the fandom or something, if one person has a factoid that they've pulled out of the Ultimania, then that pretty much wins the debate because it, it's just considered to be canon. It's like you know what the developers themselves have have said. I am the Crisis Core Ultimania, and that was Advent Children forums were still a thing, and 
everyone was getting, you know, people were buying the Ultimedias and translating them and stuff. And I mean, pretty much one of the main reasons I got it was because it had some of the uh, the seven anniversary art inside, and I also liked the cover render with uh, Cloud, Zach, and Anjo on the front. But I mean, other than that, it's all in Japanese. Of course, we have a lot of those translations hosted on the live stream. Of the Final Fantasy VII. I mean, Ultima- I feel like Ultimanias are fun, but sometimes I feel like a lot of this information should have been explained in the game. And especially, like, I feel like as time goes on, how much is Square just leaving out because they assume, well, people will just go read the book and find out. We don't have to put it in the game. <laughs> like, I want, like, I don't want them to start getting lazy and just being like, oh, well, we'll just, like, publish a little book, a, bo- a book on the side that people can go read instead of actually trying to work this into the plot. I, I don't Sometimes know. the ultimatum is take away by giving too much information and, you know, kind of ruining your suspense of disbelief. Like, like going back to Final Fantasy X-2, it never really explains the link between Titus and Shuyin other than the fact that they look alike. But then the Ultimania actually explains how they are connected. And I'm just sitting there like, why was this not actually put in the game? Like, wouldn't that have been important? Maybe the Assyrians would make the connection. You know, Shuian was a famous blitzball player in Real Xanarkand, and Titus was a famous blitzball player in Dream Xanarkand. He wasn't, like, an exact, you know, render of Shuian. You know, obviously, you know, Shuian dated Len, and, you know, Titus had his, you know, jackass father jacked. (laughs) So, obviously, you know, there's a between the actual characters, you know, it's not a faithful, you know, imagining of Shuian, but I don't know, I was able to make that connection. I guess I it's more about just kind of filling in the gaps about sure. things which may have previously been left up to the Well, because I remember when I played Tattoo, I thought that it was supposed to be, like, it, to me it's, it seemed cheeseball, like, it's like some sort of a trope, like, oh, they look alike, isn't that you know? Especially because they pulled kind of that some of that stuff in the say in the original Final Fantasy X, where everybody was like, "Oh, but Titus looks so much like Chapu," <laughs> and then you meet Chapu. <laughs> yeah, that was, they had like the same, like the face was the same, but everything else looked so different. All their faces like, were practically the same. <laughs> no, there were some differences, but so there was the whole thing of Titus looking like Chapu, and everybody's like, "Oh wow, he looks so much. They look so much alike." And that was supposed to be just a, co- a coincidence. So in ten two, I thought they were just basically doing the same thing. Um, that like Yuna goes on this adventure because she saw a sphere and thought it was Titus, but oh nope, it's just another guy. This coincidence. It wasn't until I read the Ultimania that like oh there actually was supposed to be a real connection. We just didn't bother putting it in the game, so it just came off as kind of lame in the game. Mm. Moving on then. Uh... The most recent article that we've got up on the live stream as of this podcast recording is an editorial, a video editorial called uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake versus Nostalgia. This is again uh, Pixel's project, this time in collaboration with another one of our members called Crash Ouch. And they basically examine, well, they kind of start off by discussing what nostalgia is and then um, propose that 
uh, when you remember games that you've played a long time ago, you kind of remember the good parts of them more strongly than the, than the bad parts. And then they look at kind of how that's going to affect our perception of the remake as inevitably everyone is going to be comparing it to the original game. <laughs> well, that's what everyone's doing, isn't it? Because it's... Uh, I, I've always maintained that one of my favourite moments in all of gaming is at the end of the live stream sequence on disc 2 when Cloud uh, finds himself again. Uh, and it's like the reveal that he was there all along. And it's kind of... Because up until that point, it's been a complete mindfuck. And it's like, no, he wasn't there. That wasn't him. What the hell is going on? And you find all this out. And then at the end of it, you're like, oh, wait. And then the music kicks in, and that's just such an amazing moment. And obviously, I'm looking for that not to be framed perfectly like the original. But if they don't do that scene justice, I will be disappointed. And that's just not something I can help because it's one of my favorite moments. The original will always exist, but the fact that they're remaking it, I really, really hope they do certain scenes justice. And every fan of Seven will be feeling the same way. even if it's not exact frame by frame if they can at least manage to capture you know the original emotion of the scene which they I could do it in a bit they could do it in a better way for sure because especially since they'll have you know they'll have actual facial expressions now so you'll be able to see like the realization in cloud's eyes when he realizes that he was there all along yeah it's not it was the real him and tifa that as well tifa's reaction exactly because that, that whole segment is a journey with Cloud and Tifa trying to recover Cloud's memories. And it's such an important part of the original game. But nobody talks about it. When when you when you speak to people about Final Fantasy VII, the number one topic is always Aerith's death. But for me, the biggest moment in that, that game is is that moment. Is when because the, the game is about Cloud, really. When you examine the game as a whole, it's about Cloud, and that is the biggest moment in the game for Cloud. So, for his character and for who his character is. So, the fact that no attention is paid to that by the fandom, or very, very little compared to the other, some of the other, you know, set piece moments in the game, I'm kind of worried the developers might follow suit. I don't know. I feel like some of the stuff I've read about it gives me hope they won't. I agree. That is actually one of my favorite moments in the game, too. It's like the the whole live stream sequence where you find out all the truth about Cloud and he finds himself. Um, but I know that there was like some comments they were making about like the differences between the characters like in the original game and how they were in the compilation and how they're gonna make sure that they're like the well, the way they were in the original game versus not yeah. like they were in the compilation. Especially Aerith. I feel like Aerith should be a lot more outgoing and kind of spunky than what she ended up being in the compilation. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so the fact that the that the the team notices this, notices that like oh they were this game, they were this way in the original game, and they were different in the compilation, and exactly. we're gonna. So they they notice that. So I'm hoping that gives me hope that they will notice things like what you were just saying, Lex. That the scene and the like the as much as you know, Aerith's death gets a lot of talk because of how you know out of the blue it was and sad it was that like stuff like the the live stream sequence where Cloud figures out who he really is, like they will realize that that is so important. Exactly. I, mean, I, mean, there's right. I hope so. Game than just the relationship between Cloud and Aerith, you know, however heartbreaking it is. And 
you know, what you were saying earlier about Aaron's funkiness, you know, with the compilation, <laughs> compilation, there's just this huge misconception that, you know, Tifa's the more outgoing one and Aerith is the shy one. I'm like, no, people, it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, because Aerith was in the Gerger game was always Aerith all like... Aerith always the more outgoing one. That's would be a really good moment to plug the uh, Kotaku Lost in Translation series, which is ongoing, I believe, as so they're going to have more episodes, yes. um, in which the... I've, this is terrible, but I've forgotten the guy's name. Does anybody remember it? <laughs> He's a member on the board now. Uh, Tim Rogers, I think. Oh God, think if I've got so. that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a really, he's a really nice guy. He's on the board and stuff, and he, he does these um, humorous videos of uh, him playing Final Fantasy VII in Japanese for the first time. Um, and he's someone who lived in Japan for ten years, as he will tell you in every video. <laughs> Um, but he understands the cultural nuances and stuff of the time. So you can be a person who knows Japanese and translate the words, but it doesn't really, although it has given you more context than the original tr English translation did, he is taking these translations and then applying like, okay, so that, but this is, this is the dirty way to say this because this happened in Japan at this time. So it's a really excellent um, series because it gives a lot of background. And one thing in particular that comes out in it is how cheeky Aerith is. She's a very funny character. Uh, and all of that was unfortunately lost in the original English translation of uh, Seven. So, that, I mean, that's another thing that I'm really hoping we'll make it into the remake is her personality. That's good. Definitely right. Oh, sorry, Clint. I was just going to say I, I definitely recommend this uh, this video series. It, it's kind of putting a lot of stuff which we have on the live stream into a, a really accessible form. Uh, and is there a collab well? I'm not sure if we're allowed to call it a collaboration with the live stream, but there's definitely been uh, assistance from uh, Pixel, one of our staff members. Why well, no? I remember even playing the original game. I thought I in the original English version of the game, I thought that Aerith was plenty cheeky. So the fact that she might be even more so in the original Japanese, I actually really, really like that because that's the way she's supposed to be. Whereas in the compilation, she was like this innocent, like, faintly character. And I'm like, that's not who she is, no. Yeah. It makes sense for Ered's character to be, you know, quite cheeky because she grew up in the slums. She went been around, you know, like the most well-mannered people her entire life. Yeah. She would have picked up some stuff somewhere. Some vocabulary. She even says herself, like, I grew up in the slums, I can, you know, I can take care of myself. Um, One of the other things as well in that Lost in Translation series is that she has a, her nickname for Cloud is, um, like, a Japanese phrase for, like, Mr. Everything, or, like, Jack of All, all Trades. And she oh. uses this for him all throughout the game like throughout her part in the game she calls him this all the time but that's that's obviously something that doesn't occur in the english translation so that's kind of i don't i remember i remember being really surprised like that like oh man i wish we had had that yeah so uh, it's a great series for that especially um, since zach was talking about being a jack of all trades before he died <laughs> it's even more heartbreaking that's sad 
Anyways. So just bringing this back to um, the original uh, article I was mentioning, it was uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake versus Nostalgia. Um, I'm not sure how much that necessarily applies to people like us who, well, at least speaking for myself, I play through the game, you know, every year and a half, two years or so. So it's not really all about the memories for me because it's still always fresh in my mind. Um, what do you guys think about um, the danger that people who maybe once played the game back in, you know, late 90s are now going to play the remake and their memory is not going to match up with the remake and that's going to cause disappointment, even if the remake ends up being a good game on its own Something, right. Something I can see happening genuinely is... Obviously, if they if they if they stay quite true to the original material, we will get a better English translation. Um, and obviously, the dialogue is going to be different regardless, right? Because it's spoken lines, and they will be updating all that and adding more in, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But if it follows the same plot points and the same kind of, um, the the characters say the same kind of things, I can see people still complaining because they don't understand that that is what was in the original game if that makes sense, mm. because it's going to be a more accurate representation of what was intended from the original Japanese, and a lot of it was lost in translation. So when that, if that, if that does make its way into the remake, if that comes through in the remake, people are, I, I can see people being pissed off, because they'll be like, that's not what happened in the original game. And we'll be sitting over here on TLS going like, actually, <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, mm. but I don't know, I, I could see that happening, to be honest. But I think if people played the game once in their youth and then they, you know, come back, you know, 20 years later and play the remake, you know, if they're disappointed, you know, maybe they would have owed it to themselves to replay the game before the remake came out if things aren't exactly as how they remember. Yeah, certainly couldn't hurt to give the uh, original a quick spin before you get your hands on the remake. Yeah, I definitely plan on doing that. And coming from someone who hasn't played the original in years, like I don't even remember the last time I played it. It's been so long. Okay, well, if we don't have anything else to say about that, I'll just encourage people to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's just called the live stream to find this video and all our podcast episodes go up there as well. We'll get on to listener feedback. We had one piece of feedback from our last episode, which feels like a long time ago now. Uh, we we were discussing about uh, which game you should recommend to a Final Fantasy beginner. Uh, I think ten and possibly nine came up quite a lot. Uh, we have a comment here from Minato on the live stream forum. Would one of you like to read this out? I will. I can do it. Go ahead. Okay, Minato says, I concur with 10 being the best game through which to introduce people to the franchise, but I'd argue that 6 has the strongest opening. The narration gets through introducing you to the world a bit quicker than 12. The magic tech armor gives you a variety of attack options, so you aren't forced to just select the same thing over and over till the game opens up, and the Moogles and Tritok make a strong statement that this world though it 
got more technology in it is still very fantastical. I think this may have been in reference to people bringing up 12 as having a good intro. Well, I think because we had asked which one was the best game to introduce newbies to the series. Mm, but then we also kind of branched into like which game just has the strongest opening period. True. I, I mean, I think that's kind of, I don't know, it's subjective as to which game has the strongest opening. I mean, All right, let's for, call off the whole podcast. It's subjective. Let's go home, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's in the eye of the, you know, the player. I mean, we could sit and argue which game has the strongest opening and which one is easiest to understand. I mean, I do kind of agree with the point about 12, about how you know, you've kind of got this great opening, you know, you, you've got this great framing story and narration, but it kind of takes a little bit to get the plot going and to get more, you know, variety into your party and things like that. And to get the mechanics going, which I think is uh, Minato's point here, just yeah. that when you when you start playing the, with the combat in t uh, 12, it's just you hit the attack button. You need more party members to really take advantage of the Gambit system, so that's one of 12's shortcomings. There's quite a few Final Fantasy games where they don't really give you things to do at the beginning besides attack the enemy. 13. So I agree with, with Roger here, uh, Minato, that, that six, the, the Magitek armor is clever in that you suddenly have three, I think it's three attacks with Biggs and Wedge and maybe five or so with, with uh, Terra. Uh, maybe. And they, you can still get through the battles pretty quickly just by doing auto crossbow and, and bio and stuff. Uh, were you all here when we recorded last time? I think I, I was. I don't think I Lex was. was. No, I don't think I was last time. Do you want to quickly add anything to this discussion that we had last time? Which which game you'd recommend for a beginner? Which game has the strongest opening? Uh, I'll just quickly see. I've given it a bit of thought, and I think. You would need to have a discussion with that person and find out what kind of games they like first and what kind of gameplay they liked. Uh, and then you could posit to them that if they want to know what Final Fantasy is like, you could say Final Fantasy IX is one extreme and Final Fantasy XII is another. Um, and that Final Fantasy IX draws on more classic Final Fantasy elements and is more uh, representative of what it used to be. And that twelve is kind of a really good uh, open world adventure and it's kind of the first, you know, branching out different Final Fantasy that was released. Uh, ten. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say like 10 has a good jumping off point as well because it's got like an easy to follow path, you know, and then kind of um, it's very like A to B. So, yeah, I mean, they all kind of have their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, if you ask me to pick like an original PlayStation version to introduce someone to, I'd probably pick nine over seven and eight purely because in terms of uh, controls and stuff, it's the least dated uh, and more representative of what Final Fantasy is kind of supposed to be in inverted mm. commas. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Normally at this point we would... Um bring up a new discussion topic and question for the listeners. But we're already running quite long on this show. There was a lot of news to discuss. So uh, we're not going to have a specific discussion topic this week. We will save that for the next time. Uh, if you have anything you would like us to discuss, 
then you can email us at livestreampod at gmail.com. Uh, you can comment on our YouTube upload of this episode. You can leave a message on our forum uh, or in the comments when we publish this article, uh, this podcast at thelivestream.net. We'll always read your, your feedback on the next episode. So that's just going to bring us to the any other business section. You guys been uh, playing anything interesting recently? Um, the last game that I was playing was Sonic Mania, which was awesome. If so you good. Like me, if you like me, and and I know that Lex is too because he also posted the Sonic the Hedgehog topic on the forum. Um, <laughs> if you loved to play Sonic back in the day of the Genesis era, like me and obviously Lex did, Lex did. You will love Mania. I love Mania. It was it was awesome. It was a really good, fantastic game. Yes, very good. And it's just Sonic, Knuckles, Tails, nice and simple, fun enemies. Just it was perfect. It was everything. This is the Sonic of my childhood. Come back, back to, to basics. Mm. That's exactly the way I feel about it. I'm still picking it up and playing it randomly, even though I've completed it like a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I haven't had what a lot else? of time to play yet, but I do kind of feel like an itch. Like whenever I'm like, oh, I wish I could go play a game, I'm like, Mania is what I want to go pick up. You been playing anything else, Lex? I got Pokemon Moon today, uh, so I'm dying to play that. But uh, I played the demo yesterday, that was fun. Uh, I've been playing 14 lots, Sonic Mania. Mm -hmm. What else have I been playing? Oh, I got a VR, so that's the thing. Um, when I played some of the VR games, those are pretty cool. Any, uh, any oh, VR you, games stand out like for you? The big bass fishing one from 15, whatever that's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, none of them really stand out, to be honest. Uh, the thing I've enjoyed most about the VR headset is like you can put it on and you kind of have a, a cinema screen. Um, in front of your eyeballs, and you can set it to like an absolutely massive size, so it's like being in the IMAX, but by yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you put your headphones on and you put that mode on, you can play any game or like watch any movie, and that's super cool. Um, so obviously, I used that to play Final Fantasy VII on PS4, <laughs> and I was just like, "Wow, this is amazing!" So I might do a playthrough of the game like that. I don't know, um, but yeah, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. I don't really have anything specific that I've played, though. I'm about to start playing Pokemon Moon, and I'll probably yeah. get into that. We won't keep you much longer. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Lith? Um, I haven't really played anything lately, new or otherwise. Um, I don't know, I just... Work has been working me a lot, and whenever I'm home, it's, you know, either I'm on the computer chatting with you guys or sleeping so i don't know it's just been the past few months have been kind of busy for me as far as games i mean one game i do want to play but haven't been able to buy yet is um ninja theories hellblade <gasps> Senua's yes. sacrifice um, i want to play that so bad it looks really good uh most the majority of the reviews i've heard so far um 
have been really good. Uh, if you don't know anything about it, basically it's um, you play as a Celtic warrior, Senua, and she suffers from psychosis. So you hear voices throughout the entire game. And uh, sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they're harmful. And I know a lot of people expressed annoyance, uh, you know, hearing the voices constantly, but it really is a part of, I watched maybe an hour of gameplay before I stopped because I didn't want to spoil anything else. But um, it's a very interesting way to tell the story. And uh, basically, you know, she's kind of journeying through like the the Viking underworld to retrieve, uh, to find the soul of her dead lover and, it's, uh, I mean, they did a lot of research with it, you know, by talking to people who suffer from psychosis and, you know, a lot of other things. So Ninja Theory did a pretty good job uh, with this game, and it's something I've been wanting to play for a while. I just haven't been able to find the time to actually sit down and buy it and start it. That was right. definitely on my want to playlist. Sounds interesting. Yeah, but it's, um, it's basically, uh, I the game is, uh, it's only digital, so you have to buy a digital PS4. I can't remember if it's on PC or not yet, but um, it's being sold at half the cost of a regular game because it's only, I mean, you get maybe seven to eight or nine hours of gameplay out of it, depending on, you know, how fast or how much you take your time through it. But, uh, I mean, it, it looks like a really good gameplay experience. It's something I really want to play. Besides Final Fantasy XIV, the only game I've really been playing recently is a video game of a card game of a tabletop RPG. <laughs> if... <laughs> it's called Pathfinder Adventures. Uh, Pathfinder being a D&D spin-off. Uh, then they made the card game and then the video game. Uh, and I played all the way through it, through the main story. Um, it's fun, but the game is so unbelievably bug buggy. I kept reporting bugs onto their forum, like, I can't progress with the game until you fix this. And they would in a couple of days, but I I'm not going to touch that game again. I left a thumbs down review on Steam as a result. Speaking of Dungeons & Dragons, I guess this could go here. I actually started a Dungeons & Dragons campaign with some of my coworkers. Ooh. <laughs> we've, had, we've had two sessions so far. Um... We're currently playing like a pre-made story because a couple of the people, like three of the people in our group, have have no, have they've never not only they've they've never played D and D, but they have like no RPGC experience whatsoever. Like they don't play Final Fantasy and shit like that either. Mm. Um, so they don't really. So this is all like brand new to them. So we're kind of doing like a, a pre-made thing. But then when we're done with this, we're gonna start a, like a an original campaign and create brand new characters and. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm I'm running one of those in Pathfinder for some friends of mine, but um, we were supposed to play it last night, and two of them pulled out for work and tiredness reasons. We ended up just playing a, a, a pre-made campaign as well with those of us who did show up. We're going to be playing D and D quite soon on the live stream. We'll give that a quick plug. Oh yeah. Mm. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'll be able to make that one work because I don't know if I'll have the, if I'll be able to meet at the same times that everybody else on TLS does. Because one of my coworkers is basically we like we we rescheduled this session we had last night a couple times. Mm. Um, since we all it's quite together, a big time commitment, yeah. Yeah, but since we all work together, it it 
it works. It's a little easier to find a time where we're all we can be in the same room together. So I don't know. I want to do the TLS one. I may be getting too late. I'd go check the thread if you're interested. Yeah, I'm probably too late to get in on that. Oh well. Hmm. Do we have any other any other business? I always ask about what you're playing, but feel free to bring up anything else that's on your mind. I'm doing a project on Yoshitaka Amano for my color theory class. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I made a thread about it on the forums, but I think I might have what I need to be able to throw something together. Sounds interesting. Keep yeah. us updated on the forum. Oh, maybe I will. Maybe I'll post my project when it's done. It's actually due on, it's due on Tuesday. So I have to get something together quick. Mm. By like tomorrow night. Uh, one thing I'll shamelessly plug in here. Uh, couldn't get him podcast, and unfortunately, Carly couldn't join us either. But um, uh, Tenny, Carly, and Trace, known as the Twilight Mexican, on the live stream forums, uh, we are going to be getting together at the end of the month to go to EXP Con, which is in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, pretty much. The main attraction there is that all four voice actors for the like the main Chocobros for Final Fantasy Fifteen are going to be there. So Ray Chase, Robbie Damon, uh, Adam Crozell, and Chris Parson, all four of them are going to be there, and it's going to well, be remembered. it's going to be right. quite an experience. Um, if you haven't known it by now, um, if you if you're a fan of Fifteen, check out. Um, the the Final Fantasy fifteen archive we have on the livestream.net done by the Twilight Mexican. It's it is the most I, I will go out on a limb and say it. Um it is the most comprehensive Final Fantasy fifteen archive that you'll find on the internet to date. So if you're looking for lore, translations, loading screens, script, and that's all of you know, main dialogue, incidental dialogue, um, dialogue from the DLC, items, the bestiary, everything. We got it. It's an ongoing project because obviously more content for 15 is still being released, but it's <laughs> it's a huge project and Trace has taken on a lot of work with this. So For sure. We've plugged that on the show before, I think, but yeah. no harm in plugging it again by any means. But anyways, it's going to be fun. Um, we will definitely talk about our experiences after the fact when the con is over. Mm -hmm. um, so look for look for us to talk about that. Um, for people who also for people who are unaware, um, Carly, who is normally on the podcast, lives in Puerto Rico, and as you all know, Puerto Rico was hit recently with a couple of awful um um hurricanes and that is the reason why carly is not able to be here today she her area was luckily not as badly hit as as other parts of the island but she does not have a reliable connection to be able to record podcasts with us with um so we are definitely all thinking of her and we will be having a link to what'd you say the hispanic federation mm -hmm. um on the front page i think there might be a thread going up in the forum to donate for that or any other charities that you know that are helping out in Puerto Rico because they can definitely need it. I know Car and I know there's also another forum member who I think also lives in Puerto Rico 
Carlos, right? He doesn't post as much anymore, but I think he also is from Puerto Rico. I think he's Puerto Rican, but lives in Florida. Oh, never mind then. But Carly for sure lives in Puerto Rico. And so we definitely want to help out there as much as we can. She's Absolutely. all very worried for her. <laughs> yeah. She had an internet blackout for a few days and we're like, Carly, where are you? We were very worried. We might be posting a little widget to donate to Scotland and Ireland soon because uh, we're about to be bombed <laughs> by a hurricane. There's already, been twister. Be <laughs> <laughs> There's already been twisters spotted in Ireland. Wow, really? It's, it's kind of, this is getting kind of crazy. <laughs> what a weird time. But the climate is I've changing. Been, I've, been, I've been hit by... So, good lord. It's just been a crazy year for all of us. What have you been hit yeah. by? I've been hit by a hurricane here down south wow. in the US. I haven't yet. Knock on wood. Luckily, where I live, where we don't get hurricanes in Minnesota. Mm. You get tornadoes. We do get tornadoes, though. I love... I know I've never been through a tornado, but the area of Minneapolis that I live in was hit by a tornado a few years ago. But luckily, I was not, li- I was not living here. Um, we're at like the very t- top of Tornado Alley, so not the, the entire not the entire state of, is part of it, but like the bottom half of it is considered part of Tornado Alley, I think. But we're not going to get anywhere near as like stuff that they get down in like Oklahoma and shit. Mm. I really get like tornadoes like all the time. But yes, please do go to livestream.net and donate if you can. And on a personal level, um, Carly, I hope it doesn't take you too long before you can get around to listening to this. Uh, we all miss you and we hope to have you back on the show soon. Well, Carly is going to be yeah. in St. Augustine, so we can definitely, if she can't listen to it by then, we will definitely let her listen to it. Excellent. In the place where she we'll, has been. we'll force her to. We'll shove a pair of headphones on her head and make her sit there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and that wraps up our show for today. Thank you very much to my guests, Lex, Lith, and Tenny. Thank you. All that's left is for me, Flitlog, to say thank you for listening, take care, and always protect the crystals. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>